This WebmasterRadio.fm program is made possible in part by the following. Today's forecast calls for 6 to 12 inches and temperatures will only be in the teens overnight, so bundle up and... Imagine, you're planning your end-of-year reports, planning for next year. What are you going to do to monetize more in 2011? We're going to have clear and sunny skies with a perfect day of weather for everyone coming to AFCON 2010. Warm up your marketing strategies this December in our winter oasis for affiliate marketers. AFCON 2010 Florida, December 8th through 10th at the Fairmont Turnberry Isle Resort in Aventura, Florida. Sign up now at AFCON2010.com. That's AFFCON2010.com. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome to the show, everyone. Byron White here from Life Tips. Happy to have the guest, Stephen Shapiro. Stephen, welcome. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Stephen, you, you're the author of Personality Poker, which is hot out on the press as we speak today as an official launch. We're really excited to have you on the show. Tell us about the book, and, and uh, more importantly, where did you get the idea for Personality Poker, and what's it all about? Well, my background is innovation. I've basically been working with organizations and studying innovation for the past 20-some-odd years. And one of the things that I discovered is that there are people – well, first of all, everybody contributes to innovation. So it's not like these, you know, these creative, wacky people are the only ones who want to deal with it. Everybody can contribute to innovation. They just contribute to innovation in different ways. And there's four steps to the innovation process. And if we get the right people in the right uh, step of the process, we're going to get a much more efficient innovation uh, initiative inside of a company. And so Personality Poker was really developed as a tool to help align resources with where they can help contribute the most. Where did you first get the idea for personality poker? Well, the initial idea came when I worked in Formula One. And for people who don't know Formula One, these are really fast race cars. They sort of look like the Indy cars. And while watching the pit crews, I studied the way that the pit crews operated. And essentially what I recognized was the fact that you know everybody had a very specific role that they played, and it was sort of the optimal role for them. So they did a lot of testing to make sure that the person who was changing the right front tire, you know, they were better to do that than they were for the rear uh, left tire. So getting the right people in the right role and also making sure they had all the roles. If you were missing you know, the guy who fuels the car, obviously that's going to be a bit of an issue. So I looked at those principles and brought them into innovation and looked at what would it take to create a, an innovation process that's efficient as a Formula One pit crew. So... In the end of the day, the goal of this book is to help people. Could you maybe describe what, what, first of all, the book is amazing in that it comes with a deck of cards, which is just so much fun, I can hardly stand it. Maybe just tell us a little bit about the deck of cards and, and the, the concept of poker and how it relates to, to what you're trying to accomplish. 
Sure. Everybody always gets very intrigued by the cards. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't come with mo- most books don't have them. So they, they look like regular poker cards you'd see in a Las Vegas casino. The only difference is that in addition to the suits and the numbers, there are words written across the faces of the cards that describe particular innovation attributes. And the way we play it is very similar to five-card draw, where every person gets five uh, random cards. We shuffle the decks, and everybody gets five cards, and we go through a process of trading. And the way you get the perfect hand is to get five cards where the words best describe your personality, best describe the way that you like to work and innovate. Based on the suits, the colors, and the numbers, it will tell you everything about your personality, what your strengths are, uh, what your unproductive behaviors are, where your blind spots are, and most importantly, who should you partner with and what is the personality of your organization so that you can understand some of the dysfunctional behaviors that might be taking place. Hmm. So I want to play this game with my current employees. Do I deal five cards randomly to everybody? Is that the theory? And then people can trade cards? How can you acclimate me on playing a quick game of poker with my fellow employees? Sure. So let's, let's say you have a small team of people. You know, with a single deck of cards, you can play with a handful of people, and you shuffle the decks, and you deal out five cards to everyone. And I usually go through a couple of different rounds of trading. The first round is to uh, basically have the people just trade the cards that they have in their hands. Uh, the the next round trade of trading them, is we right? put so – the second round is to put all the cards down on the table so that people can sift through and maybe slightly improve their hand. Again, the objective is to get five cards that best describe your personality – And then the last step, which is a lot of fun, is to actually gift cards to someone else. That is, if you see a card that reminds you of somebody else that you work with, you give them that card. And it's fascinating to see how others see us, not just how we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there's some very interesting conversations that take place through that part of the process. You've stated that there's a there's a golden rule uh, that 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 the golden rule is tarnished. Um, what do you mean by that? Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. I mean the the objective of the golden rule or the essence of it is to do unto others as uh, you want them to do unto you. And my philosophy is, who cares what you want? I mean, really, if we want to have powerful interactions with people in business and in life, we need to recognize and appreciate their points of view and the way that they like to be uh, motivated. So, for example, uh, when giving feedback inside of a business, we tend to give feedback in one standard cookie-cutter way that's based on the personality of the organization or it's based on the personality of the person giving the feedback. But if I'm a a creative person, I'm a diamond, which in personality poker is the the creative person, and so I, I like to think about different things and novelty and developing new ideas, Now, if somebody gave me feedback that was, hey, Steve, we just ran this meeting or you ran this meeting and it was great, we were on time and we accomplished what we wanted to accomplish, that would leave me feeling a little flat. But if they said to me, Steve, that was a great meeting, we came up with ideas we would never have thought of, that is fantastic feedback for me as a creative diamond. Now, if I'm trying to give good feedback to a club, which is a good planning and organizer person, that first type of feedback would be perfect. So the feedback should be tailored to the other person's style, not to the way you want to give feedback. Hmm. Can you talk about the the this, the, uh, the the suits you mentioned? Diamond uh, is creative. What are the other three suits? So the, the the four suits tie back to the four steps of the innovation process. The spades 
are the people who are really great at, uh, they, they like facts, they like data, they're very analytical. We see people, these are the people we think of somebody who's really smart, you know, the PhDs, they tend to be the spades. We'll see people like that in R&D organizations. And they're really great at the, the defining the challenge associated with innovation. Like, what should we work on that's going to create the greatest value? The second step of the innovation process is then to generate solutions, and this is where the creative diamonds come into play because they like to break the rules. The third step is to plan and execute, and this is the domain of the clubs. They're very methodical. There's two types of clubs. There are very methodical clubs who like to plan and organize and love to create sort of Microsoft project plans. And there are also clubs that are very much into getting it done. They're into you know, goal orientation in the bottom line. The final step is to engage the hearts and minds of the organization because innovation is by the people, for the people, and therefore the hearts are the people who are really great at getting people motivated, engaged, and wanting to participate. So four steps, four suits, four different styles. Hmm. Fascinating. I, I wanted your comment on this because it, it's been a practice of mine for a number of years to try to dissect people with four different groups. And tell me if I'm from Mars here, but I'd love to get your opinion on it. I heard it some time ago. I believe it came from, from London School of Economics where I went to grad school. But the concept was it takes four, types, four, it takes four different types of people to run an organization, a bear, a rabbit, an owl, and a turtle. Okay, your your bear is your classic manager. You know, my way or the highway. Here's the marching orders. Follow it, or I will growl. Your turtle is your accountant. In order to get X, you need Y, and then Y to get Z. You know, your uh, uh, your owl is your source of wisdom. You know, that you count on for guidance and leadership. And your your rabbit is your creative person, idea person, desk a mess all over the place. Do you think there's any truth to those four different types of personalities coming together in different roles? And, and how does that relate to, 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 to the groups that you had segmented? What are your thoughts? Well, I think they, the, the, the four uh, animals you just described sort of map back to what, uh, what we're talking about in personality poker. But here's, here's the one really important thing uh, that, that people quite often don't get is organizations – uh, you know, the, contrary to conventional wisdom, opposites don't attract. So what happens is inside of organizations, we tend to recruit people who think the same way and act the same way. And actually, this works really well. There's a reason why we do this. It's because it's efficient. So if I put a bunch of bears using your vernacular in a room, mm-hmm. look, they're all going to get along. Uh, because they're going to understand each other, they're going to have the same language, they're going to be motivated by the same things. And so it will be efficient. And for simpler tasks and for just doing routine, homogeneity actually works really well. The problem with is when we bring together bears, turtles, owls, rabbits, or you know, spades, diamonds, clubs, and hearts, the natural tendency is to create a totally dysfunctional organization. So it's not just about bringing the four together, but it's actually bringing the four together in an extremely productive way where we divide and conquer the work in such a way that maximizes the skills of each. And uh, we can build in mechanisms for appreciating the creative tension that is generated through these divergent points of view. But diverse teams do not work well together naturally. There needs to be systems and mechanisms in place to help them work productively. Tell us your take on 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 the personality test, if you will, and and how um, and how how your book plays into that. Is there such thing as a personality test that everyone should be giving new employees, and is there value to it, particularly within the organizational structure, and both for big and small organizations? What's your thought on that? 
Well, look, my thought is if you do something and it stimulates conversation and produces results, that's valuable. So I wouldn't say that there's like a personality test that everyone should do. I happen to like personality poker because it's not actually a test. So it's not like you sit down at your computer, you take a test, and it spits out you know, four letters or, or some colors or other types of things. It actually is a conversation. And what we find is you know, when you gift a card to someone, you can say, wow, that's interesting. Why did you think that I was bossy? Or if you selected a card and somebody doesn't, you know, you choose the visionary card and somebody doesn't think you're visionary, you say, well, that's interesting. Why did you choose the visionary card? It's the conversation that becomes most useful. It is not about the labeling, but it's about the process. And so if you're going to use a test, I would encourage you to use something that actually stimulates conversation rather than just become something that you stick on your wall and you never talk about. Is is. Is there a need, is personality poker going to help people change for the better, or is it not about change and more about understanding of perspective? Can you talk about that fine line? I'd say it's probably more the latter. Uh, it's you know there's different philosophies when it comes to personality uh, personalities in general. Some people believe if you figure out what your weaknesses are, you should work on those. You know, my philosophy is if I figure out what my weaknesses or blind spots are, it tells me who I should partner with. So I want to do what I do best and partner with everyone else for the things that I don't do well. Uh, so for me, it, it's not about changing me, but it's actually changing the, the way that I think about and interact with others because I think that everybody's you know has a unique contribution to give to their personal life and to their professional life now they don't really need to improve, but they need to get better at knowing who to work with to be more successful. Do you feel like there's a lot of energy and time wasted within organizations because of the problems that are happening with communications amongst employees and conflicting roles and goals and tasks and aggravation and, uh, and of course, the advent of the web? Is there an epidemic going on in the workplace that you're trying to fix here? There's actually a, f- a few issues. Uh, there, there's definitely sort of the natural, uh, most organizations, I'd say, for example, have a culture which I would describe as right of infinite appeal, which basically means that anybody who doesn't like the process as it's going can veto it and it goes back to the drawing board. And so there's just inherent inefficiencies. And so one of the things that, which I definitely want to do is be able to speed up the process and in particular focused on innovation. So. It's, it's, look, if you have enough people thinking about innovation and doing enough work, at some point you're going to develop something new. The question is, are you doing it efficiently, efficiently and are you doing something that will actually help accelerate the growth of the organization? And so what I'm really trying to do is get people into the mindset of how do they work together, collaborate more effectively, and also how do they innovate more effectively, which means not asking people for ideas, but actually looking for problems that we want the organization to solve. So I have a very specific viewpoint on innovation, which helps accelerate the process. Hmm. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back with, uh, with lots of more questions and, and answers to make your business better. Back in a second, everyone. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, 
ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money. You can promote any product immediately. No contracts required. Looking for recurring commissions? Upsell products? ClickBank's got them. And best of all, you can make up to 75% commissions. Ready to become the next ClickBank success story? Sign up now for free at ClickBank.com. Hey, Joel Com here, and I want you to hear something. That's my ka button, and it's the universal sound of success. Sounds good, doesn't it? How would you like to hear that ka sound all the time? In my new book, ka How to Run an Online Business That Pays and Pays, I lay out a strategy and a plan for you to create your own online success. Get your copy today at ka and I'll give you a ka button for free. All the details are there at kachingbook.com. That's K-A-C-H-I-N-G book.com. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for The Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. CEO Coach. Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Stephen Shapiro. Stephen, thanks so much for your insight and being on the show today. Well, my pleasure. So let's, in, in the book, you, first of all, this is really fascinating. And, and as a business owner, um, you know, it, it, we're, we're all scrambling in, in today's marketplace with either uplift and accelerated growth and all hands on deck or flat sales and no business and times to reflect and, and, and rethink customer service and integration of our teams. It, it, it's fascinating times out there, no question about it. Um, in the book, you know, you mentioned four principles uh, for, for creating high-performing innovation teams. What are those four principles, and how can, we, how can you leave us with data that we could put to work right after we hear your, your comments? So the, the first of the principles is for each person in the organization to play to their strong suit. And the, these all use sort of uh, card metaphors, card game metaphors. So play to your strong suit, and that's basically just figure out what your strength is. And there's a lot of strength tests out there. Uh, you know, but that's really the first step. The, the second step, though, is to make sure that the organization is playing with a full deck. And this comes back to what we were discussing earlier, which is we need to have different styles. We need to have people who are good at executing, people who are good at visioning, people who are good at engaging other people, people who are good at data. We need that. And most organizations are, are woefully lopsided in the way that they uh, recruit and retain people. The third step then is to deal out the work, which means that once you figure out what each person's strength is and you have uh, all the different styles in place, you get people in the roles where they can gra- add the greatest value. So you would put your spades on the analytical data-driven work to actually make sure that the, the uh, innovations you're about to work on are, have, are going to have the greatest impact. 
The final one is then to shuffle the deck, which means we need to build and appreciate creative tension inside the organization. So those are the four, the four general concepts. And you know, I would say here's one very simple thing. I mean, if I were to just say, look, if there's one thing to take away from this, it's the concept that the person you like the least is the person you need the most. The person you like the least is the person you need the most because they're the person who's actually probably going to have your opposite style. And if you can figure out how to work with them, you will be much more uh, effective in what you're able to do and grow your business. I just want to say that again because it's pretty powerful. The person you like the least is probably the person you need the most. Fascinating. <laughs> well, can I give you a those, quick example Think of, that? of all those people I've terminated over the years. Maybe I should have kept them. <laughs> well, well, maybe. I'm not joking. I'm well, not if, joking. If you I don't, don't know, because I, I remember this one time. I was working on a project. I was leading a big – I mean, I had a huge budget. It was a crazy amount of money. And I chose the guy to co-lead the project with me was this guy, John, who was just like, you know, we got along so well. We were both energetic, and we were both creative, and we both loved people. And the project, everybody had a really great time. And it was the biggest waste of money I mean, because we really were not able to get anything done. We spent more time thinking about new things mm-hmm. and catering to the needs of people than we were actually focused on getting something done. So the following year, when my budget was cut, I learned from that experience and partnered with this guy, Ray. Uh-huh. Ray was a total anal retentive planning club, total opposite of me, drove me crazy, and it was the most successful project I had worked on to that point uh-huh. Uh-huh. because we complemented each other, uh-huh. and we eventually began to appreciate each other, and that is, to me, the single most important thing for an organization to do and for uh-huh. individuals inside the organization to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. With regards to um, analysis of your existing team to then decide what what people you could potentially hire, what suits you're missing, if you will, do you have any tips and advice on that, and how does it play into the book? Well, it, I personally, when I'm hiring, I always hire in pairs. So it's just sort of like my natural thing because I want to build that creative tension. So if I'm hiring a diamond, I'll hire a club. The opposites, if I hire a spade, I'll hire a heart. Again, opposites. Mm -hmm. If you look at most organizations, the way we recruit, it tends to want to hire people of one particular type. Mm -hmm. So you really just want to take a look at, you know, what are we doing to recruit the people who don't fit the mold? You know, I always Mm -hmm. say organizations are cults because our cultures are so strong that they drive everything that we do. Again, that's great for efficiency, but I would say when you're recruiting – consciously make the decision to look for people who are a little bit different